Romans chapter 8. Stand with me as we read God's Word tonight. Romans 8, beginning with verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. <clears throat> for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. 
And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren." Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, it has been good to be with the saints here at Grace Baptist Church. Lord, we are grateful for what you are using them to do. Lord, we ask that you'd continue to have your hand upon the pastor of this church, his family, all the faithful members, God, would you protect them? Would you provide for them? Would you use them until you call them home to bring you glory and honor? And Lord, as we look together into your word tonight, would you help me to preach, Lord, concerning what lies ahead for all the saints? Lord, you are good to us. And we do thank you for hearing and answering prayer. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Romans chapter 8. The Bible teaches us so many great truths, which, which we are all familiar. The Bible here tells us in this chapter concerning God's will for the saints. In verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We find that God would have us to walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. He would have us also to be spiritually minded and not carnally minded. Verse 13 tells us, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. 
he indeed would have the saint to mortify the deeds of the body. And many such like things will we find in Romans chapter 8. But not only do we find God's will for the saints, we find God's help for the saints in this chapter as well. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. God did not just save us through the Lord Jesus Christ and leave us alone in this world. One great thing that he did to help the saint in his walk with the Lord Jesus Christ is to put himself inside of us. We have the indwelling Spirit of God inside of us. And what a blessing it is. We also know that the Scripture tells us here in verse 19, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. He also has given us hope. We understand that we'll not be left forever on this earth. We know that we have a home prepared for us in heaven where we'll be able to live with God for all eternity. And we have a trusting expectation that one day He will come for us either individually or He will come for us when He brings all of the saints unto Himself. And what a wonderful hope it is to have that in times of trial, in times of grief, and sorrow, and tribulation. We know that He has given us His Spirit. He has given us hope. And the Bible says in verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Dear saint, if you have never been to the place, where you cannot even express yourself. You cannot even pray into Almighty God with adequate words to express your feelings, maybe because of pain or sorrow or tribulation. You will be there at some point in your life. It's good to know at that time that the Spirit of God that indwells you knows what you need. And He is interceding for you on your behalf. He has given help unto the saint. We know as well, the Bible tells us that he gives us knowledge. Verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, not as many modern Bible versions would teach that all things work together for the good of them that love God. But no, the Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. We may not understand what God is doing. We may reach the time when we are placed in a jail cell. We may reach the time, God forbid, in this country when we would be put to death for our faith. And at that time, could we say, oh, this is good and this is pleasant unto me? We could not say that, but we can say all things work together for good 
to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, because God uses the efforts and He uses the trials of His saints to bring Himself glory and to work much good in this earth. And we know that. And that's something we understand about God, even if we don't understand what's taking place in our own lives. We know that God is in control. So we understand God's will for the saints and God's help for the saints as it is presented to us here just in this chapter of God's Word alone. But we also find here God's destiny for the saints. God's destiny for the saints. Verse 15, the Bible says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Bible says we have received the spirit of adoption. Now, we have not been adopted yet, but we have received the spirit of adoption. And the Bible tells us in verse 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I am a child of God, not because I have been adopted, but because I have been born again. Because I have experienced the new birth. And the adoption is yet in the future. And the Bible tells us that in verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. Your King James Bible has defined the adoption for you. It's not something you have experienced yet. You only have the spirit of adoption within you at the moment. The adoption is something that you're going to experience in the future whenever these bodies are redeemed. When these bodies are changed. And folks, you know that this flesh has not been redeemed yet. We struggle in the flesh, and the flesh grows old, and it gives out, and it besets us at times. And there is coming a day in the future when even these bodies will be changed. They will be redeemed. The word adoption is used five times in your King James Bible, two times here in Romans chapter 8, and it is used in the book of Galatians chapter 4. If you'd turn with me to that portion of God's Word. Galatians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Now I say that the heir... Now notice the subject, it's the heir. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, A perfect cross-reference to Romans chapter 8. And verse 7 of Galatians 4 then says, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. 
And notice how closely this idea of adoption, the time when our bodies will be changed, is linked with being an heir of Christ. That was the subject in Romans chapter 8, was it not, in verse 17? And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. And we look then to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, and we will find another reference unto the word adoption. In verse 5, the Bible says, "...having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 that He hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. We understand that is the earnest of our inheritance. Until the redemption of our body, which is referred to in Romans chapter 8 verse 23 as the adoption. Folks, when we talk about the adoption, we are talking about the future of the saint. It is a time when these bodies will be changed, when these bodies will be redeemed, when our status is changed. We are already children of God. We have been born into His family. But then, having received the adoption, these bodies being given a new body, our status will be changed so that we are able to receive the inheritance that He has for us. If you were to receive heavenly things that God has laid up for you in these earthly bodies, you wouldn't be able to enjoy them at all. You're going to have to know a change to enjoy the inheritance that awaits for us over on the other side. And He has made that possible through the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now we go back to Romans chapter 8. And we look there in verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now we see the word predestinate here in Romans chapter 8. Now if we examine the word within its context and within the context of Scripture as a whole, where the word is used, we get an idea of what the Lord is speaking of when He talks about being predestinated. This is not as the Calvinist assumes that some have been destined to be saved and all the rest have been predestined to be lost. 
This word predestinate, used only four times in Scripture, always talks about the future of the saint. It does not apply to those who are lost, but those who by faith believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, there is something that has already been decided for you. You have been predestinated to receive the inheritance that God has for you as saints. And predestination does not concern lost people. It only concerns the future of saved people. The Bible tells us in verse 29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Now quickly, let's look at that word foreknow before we move on with the word predestinate. We understand that God knows everything. God knows the end from the beginning. God knows what will happen before it happens. We understand about the knowledge of God. He is omniscient. But this is talking about foreknowledge. And if we look back to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, it is interesting there as Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, he says, You men of Israel... Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Here the word foreknowledge is used. And folks, what is it talking about? It is talking about what Israel did unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think that God knew what was going to happen to him ahead of time? Yes, he did. Do you think that God knew that he would send his only son, his only begotten son to Israel to save them? And that they would put him to death? Yes, God knew that. What's foreknowledge? In light of what he knew, he acted anyway. He sent his son to die, knowing that surely he would be put to death. That's foreknowledge. And every time the word is used in any of its forms, only four times in Scripture, it is always used in that context. And look at what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you think God knew Anything at all about you before he sent his son to die for your sins? Do you think he knew that we were vile and that we were wicked and that we were sinners and that we deserved to be cast into hell for all eternity? Absolutely he knew that about us. But you know what foreknowledge is? In spite of having the knowledge ahead of time about who we are and what we deserve, he sent his son anyway to die on the cross. To save us from our sins. That's the context of foreknowledge in the scripture. And so when we get back to our text in Romans chapter 8. The Bible says in verse 29. For whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate. To be conformed to the image of his son. 
Four times the word predestined or predestinate is used in the Scripture. Two times here in Romans chapter 8 in back-to-back verses, verse 29 and verse 30, which is basically a restatement of what has already been said. But we find if we go to the book of Ephesians again, chapter 1, there are the other two times that the word predestinate is used. Ephesians 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us. Now this is the saved. It's not talking about people who are lost. It's talking about saved people. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us. Who? Those who have by faith believed on Him as their Lord and Savior. Not those who would without their knowledge and without them believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been predestinated. The Bible says in verse 5, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. What have you been predestinated to? You have been predestinated unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself. What's the adoption? It's the redemption of our bodies. Folks, it has been predestined that for those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they will receive the adoption. The time in the future that their bodies will be changed. And the Scripture goes on to say in verse 6, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to the good pleasure which He hath purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. Isn't it interesting? The word adoption appears here in Ephesians chapter 1, and the word predestinate, predestined, appears two times in the context of Ephesians chapter 1, where it is talking about the future of the saint. Folks, there's no Calvinistic teaching taught here in the Word of God. It is just talking about what God, in light of His foreknowledge, did for the saint, those who would believe on Him by faith. No one is excluded except they fail to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who believe have a wonderful future ahead. Now again, it's according to foreknowledge. He knew we didn't deserve it. And folks, who among us could stand to their feet tonight and say, I deserve everything that God has prepared for me in heaven? Not a one of us could say that. We don't deserve it. He knew we didn't deserve it. But He made it possible for us anyway. Folks, we have a wonderful future. Our destiny has been set because we by faith have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And according to Romans 8 and verse 29, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed. To be conformed. It's something that's in the future. And this word conform, which means to be made like, is used in all of its forms only three times in Scripture. 
One of them right here in Romans chapter 8, where it says that we have been predestinated to be conformed to His image. Another time that it is used, you well know, is in Romans chapter 12. And it is used in verse 2 this way. And be not conformed to this world. We are not to be like the world. But folks, this conforming that the Scripture speaks of is in the context of the future of the saint. And we find that if we look over to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3, and there we will find the third and final time that this word in any of its forms is used in Scripture. Philippians 3 and verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him." and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. What have we been talking about? We've been talking about that very event, the resurrection of the dead. And there the word was used in the context of the future of the saint. When will these bodies be redeemed? When will the adoption be finalized? It's at the resurrection of the dead. That is when we get a new body. That is when we are made like unto Christ. And the Bible says that we have been predestinated to be conformed to the image of His Son. What does the Scripture tell us in 1 John? In 1 John 3, verses 1 and 2, Beloved, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God? Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. We shall be like Him. It's the time at the resurrection. Remember the appearing speaks of the rapture of the saints. The catching away of the saints. The receiving of the saints unto Himself as He said in Romans chapter 14. It's the time of the resurrection of the dead. Those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ will come up from their graves. And those of us who are alive, you remember according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, will be changed at that time. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's the time that these bodies will be changed. The redemption of the bodies. The adoption as it is called in Scripture. It is predestinated that it will be so. Folks, if you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can mark it down. If you go into the grave, you're going to come out with a new body. If you're alive when He returns, you're going to be changed and have the redemption of the body. Folks, it has already been settled. That is the destiny of the saints. And we will be conformed to the image of His Son. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us that very fact. 1 Corinthians 15 And we begin reading with verse 42. 
so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Hold your place right there. Do you remember what the Scripture said in Romans 8 and verse 29? For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. Back to 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 47. The first man is of the earth earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly and as we have borne the image of the earthy we shall also bear the image of the heavenly comparing scripture with scripture that's the time whenever we will be conformed to the image of his son it's one thing to make a spiritual application of that passage of scripture there in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 saying that we ought to be like Christ now and that is true according to the scriptures and there are many verses which teach that but if we want to understand the context of Romans 8 and verse 29 the time when we will be conformed to the image of His Son is yet in the future. Folks, we are going to be made like the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the time when these bodies raised from the dead. The adoption is realized. We are going to be made like Him so that we will be able to, with Him, inherit all things. And what a blessing it's going to be. The Bible tells us then in 1 Corinthians 15, it tells us whenever we'll bear the image of the heavenly, does it not? For it goes on to say in verse 50, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful that you will know the victory one day through the Lord Jesus Christ? How often have these old bodies gotten the best of you? Well, you're going to get the best of it one day whenever it's changed. And folks, that is the future of the saint. We've got a lot to look forward to. We've got an inheritance waiting for us on the other side. Isn't it something at the end of this resurrection chapter when we are told what will happen to the saint, what happens to those who are alive, what happens to those who are dead when the Lord Jesus Christ appears? Isn't it something that the chapter ends this way? 
Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Why would that exhortation be at the end of this chapter? Folks, because we are talking about the time of the adoption, whenever these bodies will be redeemed, it has been predestinated that it be so. It has been predestined that we will be conformed to the image of His Son. Why? So that we can inherit all things with Him. And folks, when we understand the series of events as the Scripture lays it out for us, we understand that that time when all these events take place, it is the time that we will be rewarded for being steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Because your labor is not in vain in the Lord. As sure as you get up from the grave, it has been predestinated that you will realize an adoption so that you can inherit with the Lord Jesus Christ. What you do for the Lord, it is not vain, dear saints. But there's more. In Romans 8, verse 29, the Bible tells us there, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1, and beginning with verse 9. The Bible says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord and do all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. The Bible refers to the Lord Jesus Christ here again in the context of the inheritance of the saints. It refers to the Lord Jesus Christ as the firstborn from the dead. And we look then at that in context with Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 when it says, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. Why did He predestinate us? Why? 
Did he say there is coming a day when you will rise from the dead if you die in the Lord and you will be changed if you are alive when the Lord returns? Why is it that he said at that time you'll know the adoption, the redemption of your body? Why is it that the scripture teaches us that we will be conformed into his image at that time? Because the Bible says that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The scripture tells us that he is the firstborn from the dead in Colossians chapter 1. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, it tells us that he was the first begotten of the dead. Aren't you thankful that the Bible doesn't say there that he was the only begotten from the dead? It just says he's the first begotten. You see, we have been predestinated. The Bible says we have been predestinated to the adoption there in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Folks, He is the only one. The only one. Now, He was not the first one to be raised from the dead. You know the example of Lazarus. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but Lazarus died again. You understand that the Lord Jesus Christ, it had been prophesied concerning Him in Psalm 16, that He would not see corruption. You know that when He raised from the dead, He would never go into the grave again. The Lord Jesus Christ got up and He stayed up. And folks, you understand that then He is just the firstborn from the dead. He is the first begotten of the dead, not the only begotten. Do you know that it has been predestinated that we will be raised from the dead too if we go by way of death? That we will be born from the dead, if you will, and we will never, as our Lord never will, we will never again have to be concerned about death. At that point, we'll have a spiritual body. We will never have to be concerned with corruption again. We'll never have to be concerned with mortality again because it has been predestined that we would be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn. That He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Folks, we are His brethren. We are joint heirs with Christ. There is coming a day when we will know of the adoption. At that time, predestination will be realized because God said this is what will happen to the saints. Again, predestination has nothing to do as the Calvinist teaches it. Predestination concerns those and only those who by faith believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And the moment that you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, predestination is something that you could say applied to you. Because God has it fixed that we as saints are going to inherit one day in bodies that are able to enjoy that inheritance and will never again know corruption. At that time, we will be conformed to the image of His dear Son. And folks, oh, to be like Him on that day. You have a wonderful future. Amen. We have talked this week about what it is that Christ has done for us in saving our souls and how he made redemption possible. We have talked about what it is that God expects out of us. Faithfulness when we serve him. To be what he would have us to be. 
to serve where he would have us to serve, to be always willing to follow him. But your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. We have a wonderful future awaiting, folks. Yes, sir. Isn't it a pleasure to be with the saints here at the meeting house? Can you imagine being with all the saints in the Father's house in glorified bodies for all eternity? What a blessing it's going to be. Folks, this earth is as bad as we're ever going to know it. If we have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, he has prepared a wonderful future for us. Not just a place where we'll dwell, but bodies that will be able to live there for all eternity and enjoy what he has for us. I don't understand everything that he's making ready for us up there. I don't understand how he's doing it. I just know the Bible says that he is. And I know that he has said we're going to be in bodies where we'll be like him. And we'll be able to inherit with him. And the purpose of the message tonight is to encourage the saint. Folks, you've got a lot to look forward to. And as these truths sink in to us, and you young people don't understand now, but you will one day. There comes a time in your lives when you're ready to go on and be with the Lord. Just any time he'd call for you, you'd be fine. Yes, we have attachments down here. But we know that there's one up there that we love more than anything else in this world. And we want to be with him. And we want to join the saints and bow on our knees before him and praise him. And then there are loved ones who have gone on ahead of us that we want to see again. And then there are trials and tribulations and there's pain and there's sorrow down here on this earth that we'll never have to experience again when we get those glorified bodies. Folks, the Lord has made that possible. Your adversary cannot keep you from it. It is written in his word. Oh, if I were here tonight and I didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, I'd surely believe on him. I'd ask him to forgive me my sins and save my soul. And I promise you, if you're lost and you ask him to save you, you'll never regret it. Best decision you'll ever make. Saints, you've got a lot of rejoicing ahead of you. Amen. You can rejoice in the knowledge that's been preached tonight in spite of what's happening to you in your lives right now. Young people, want you to know the Word of God. Know what He has for you. Know what He wants you to do. Set about doing it and as you grow, grow closer in your pilgrimage. How sweet heaven will seem and how much you'll look forward to that glorified body. We won't rush things. It's his decision. It's his timing. But death doesn't frighten the one who is saved. We don't look forward to it and say, oh, death, won't you come get me? But it doesn't frighten us. Because we know when it happens, it'll be in the Lord's timing. And he'll come for us and we'll be ready. And we'll be glad. What a blessing it is. Let's stand as we pray. Preacher, you come. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word.